Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, July 20th. That means it's time for Destination Health. We're going to open the phone lines right now. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything at all about health, pick up the phone and join me. 855-950-3835. We've got a big day lined up. We'll be here for at least the next hour or until we run out of questions. Then Lauren will join me today for After Hours with Lauren and Kevin. We've got a theme for today. I'll tell you what that is here in just a minute. And then after that, we'll head on over to HealthyTribe.com for our live Q&A session as well. So lots of opportunities for you to get your questions answered today. And the theme for today is movement, movement and strength. So I'm not going to say we know everything we need to know about diet, nutrition. Um, We certainly always have more to learn. Um, But we know a lot about how human beings should eat now to be healthy. For the most part, it needs to be a paleo-based diet of some sort, Um, but I really believe the more we lean on animal foods, uh, some sort of a carnivore-based paleo diet is absolutely ideal. So fermented carnivore, little bit of fruit, lots of seafood and organ meats. And we know that that solves all kinds of health issues but not everything there is still more we need to do if we want to be optimally healthy but I would always start there because the next part you need to feel as good as you can feel uh, in order to make the next part work so start with the diet first get your diet nailed down Um, don't try to do too much all at once if you're trying to change your entire diet and you're trying to add some new you know movement routine or stress buster you're probably just going to overwhelm yourself and you'll quit so you know we've spent decades living and eating the wrong way we don't have to turn it around in a couple weeks or a couple months get your diet down to where you don't really have to think about it anymore. The eating part for me is just so easy now. I've been doing this for so many years. I don't have to think about the eating part. I don't really crave things I shouldn't be eating. So I don't have to put much time or energy or thought into eating or food anymore. I've really got that kind of nailed down. But we've got to work on this lifestyle piece. And there are several components, but I think the next logical step once you get your diet down is let's work on movement. You know, I don't want to say exercise or cardio, or we just need to move more in the beginning. But our ultimate goal should be to really work on strength. When you look at um, the health issues we face as we age, many of them have to do with losing muscle and losing strength and becoming weak and frail. You can certainly see that in our elderly people today. We might be living longer, although that trend has started to reverse too, but it's really not much of a life when you see these elderly people that that live a decade or two sometimes but they're just they're not very active they're not very self-reliant it's it's just we need to stay strong and healthy and vibrant and we've been told well that's just going to happen because you're getting old that's not true that's a lie It doesn't happen just because you get old. It happens because we spend decades eating the wrong foods and living the wrong way and not not moving and not doing the things we need to do to improve this. So I am a big believer in resistance training. 
much more so than cardio. And if we do resistance training properly, we get a cardio benefit from it as well. Now, if you really love some form of cardio, maybe you actually do enjoy running. I can't think of anything I kind of don't like more than running and I've tried to get used to it and I've tried to like it and I just can't and I have run a significant amount of time during my life because of the sports that I did in the training and we're always told you have to do cardio and if you're going to be an athlete you do have to have really good cardiovascular health if you have something like that you love then absolutely do it but if you If you're like most of us and you kind of have to force yourself to go do something, then I would say focus on resistance training instead of cardio. We get the benefit quicker. We don't have to spend as much time at it. And we get far more benefits. Cardio is good for your heart and your cardiovascular system. It's not doing much for your muscles. A little bit. But why not get the maximum benefit from our time? And that would be doing resistance training. And I have to say, I am more and more excited all the time about the X3 bar and the workouts I've created. Uh, Actually, we're tweaking some now. um, And really making some improvements. Um on that routine um i just lost my train of thought i was watching something outside uh i should probably pay attention to what i'm talking about actually actually i was thanking my uh garbage man um I forgot to put the trash out this morning. I got so, uh, but he stopped, he looked, he could see the cans were up by the house and he actually walked up and got him. What a great guy. Um, So back to what I was talking about. Strength training, resistance training. We get a lot of benefits from this and we can do it in a short amount of time. And the X3 bar is just incredible. I I am just blown away by the kind of results um, I'm getting in such a short amount of time. And I'm, I'm back to really working out. I'm not missing days. And I am, I'm just loving it. I mean, the benefits are incredible. I have tweaked the workout somewhat. Uh, I've developed a three-day workout instead of two, well, three different workouts instead of two different workouts. So before we were kind of doing push, pull, and we threw legs in on both of those days. Uh, And I looked at that and thought, you know what? We could make an improvement here, big improvement, I think. So I now it's three days. So I've push, pull, and then core, which is kind of your your middle stomach, obliques, back, lower back muscles, your core. Um, we do core and legs on that third day. So I took legs out of the other two days and added in some core workouts. And now it's a three-day workout. So if you were starting on Monday, uh, you could do push on Monday, pull on Tuesday, legs and core on Wednesday. Then I would say if you're going to do a workout like this, a three-day workout, you have several options on how you could do this. You could do three days on and then take one day off and then go back to your three days again. That's one option. Uh, you could do all. You could do six days straight and then take a day or two off, depending on how you feel. If you wanted to get the maximum results without overtraining, you could do that by working out every single day with this, not taking any days off, and. You know, at some point, if you just feel like taking a day off, well, then take a day off. But you could work out continuously every day with this setup and not overtrain. 
because we're giving each muscle up to 72 hours rest in between working it out again. So if you absolutely wanted to get the maximum benefits from this, you could do this three-day routine and not take any days off and you still won't overtrain. Um, pretty incredible. I, I, the, there are some other benefits I want to talk about with exercise. I'm, I'm going to hold off some of this till uh, Lauren joins me later. A couple things we're learning though. A lot of this is pretty new science. So one of the things I want to focus on today when, um, when Lauren joins me, I'm going to cover it a little bit now. Uh, was it last week or the week before? Recently, our focus on um, after hours um, with Lauren was we were talking about depression and mental health. And I have to tell you, that the diet can can be a big help, but we do see people eating a really good diet and yet they're still dealing with depression, anxiety, some of these other things. We know that is gut bacteria, so we can focus on the gut, but there's something else that really helps a lot with this. And it's exercise, activity, movement, specifically resistance training. Building more muscle changes our physiology. We used to believe that fat, fat cells were inert. What I mean by inert is that they really just don't do anything. They sit there. They're not like an organ like the liver that's constantly doing things or your kidneys or your eyes or we just thought fat was just kind of there. That's not true. Fat is an active cell. Fat releases inflammatory cytokines. The more fat you have, the more likely you are to release more inflammatory cytokines. If that word sounds familiar, cytokines, they're part of our immune system. Um, We heard a little bit about them for a while with COVID because that was what was killing people. When you had COVID, it was the cytokine storm that was actually causing all the problems. And then we stopped talking about that for some reason. Now, we don't talk much about COVID in a way that it matters, but that was one of the big problems was this cytokine storm. And cytokines are released from adipose tissue, from fat cells. They increase the number of cytokines. And we know that obesity was definitely one of the risk factors for COVID. And that was part of the reason why. Well, we now know that when you have muscle cells and they are what we call well-trained, meaning you're working out that muscle on a regular basis, you're giving it resistance, well-trained muscles release something called myokines. And myokines are the antidote to cytokines. So when you have a lot of myokines, that reduces the amount of cytokines, which also reduces inflammation, helps mood. There's all kinds of uh, benefits to that. So we've got some calls coming in. I was going to talk a little bit about the um, the new protocol. Not really a new protocol, still the same protocol. I'm just tweaking it, making it more efficient, making it better, improving things. Uh, I think I'll hold off. I'll take some calls. Um, I may come back to it and I will probably talk about it some when Lauren joins us later. Uh, but for right now, let's find out what's on your mind. We're going to go to Bob in Michigan. Welcome to the program. How are you doing this morning, Kevin? Good. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, a friend of mine gave me a little book here called Forbidden Health. Are you familiar with uh, with that little book about no. or chlorine dioxide? No, I haven't heard of the book. I am familiar with chlorine dioxide, but what is the book claiming? Well, basically, it's how how to treat all these different diseases, and it's sort of like you know you you need to you know you 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 clean you you know add chlorine disinfectant it, like it it cleans everything. So based upon what we know about bacteria and fungi and all of that. I don't think that's technically the proper way to do things. 
What is your take? I'm not sure. Again, what are what? Give me a, a real world example of what I would use chlorine dioxide for. Uh, you got a achy knee. It's supposed to help, and you basically put it in. Uh, uh, it extracts hard metals out of you, and it's a cleanse. So you basically take a bath with chlorine dioxide. Oh, I don't that's think a, that that is. That's a really bad idea. You, 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 Right, because isn't that isn't the whole point of that chlorine dioxide is a cleanse, acts as a disinfectant. Well, even calling it a cleanse makes it sound too good. I mean, remember when the whole COVID thing was happening and Trump said something about bleach and, you know, everybody said, oh, my God, Trump wants people to drink bleach. And we're talking about the same thing. It's like, sure, it kills all kinds of stuff. But why do we want to kill all that stuff? Right, right. It's basically... uh killing good stuff that we need because everything lives off of each other just you know like all the bacteria in our guts yeah so for I, instance, instead of finding the root cause of say heartburn oh take you know mix this up take this you know with you know uh with water or whatever and it's supposed to help your your heartburn and whatnot well what's the root cause of the heartburn to me it's it's smoke and mirrors as far as you know what they're doing in big pharma today. That that's my that's my opinion. Sure, there might be some, you know, logical use. I, I not for like heartburn and things like that. No, I, I'm I'm not a fan of this at all. I I don't see any real need or use for this. So what what, what is the what what is the actual use of this stuff? No, oh, that's what I was asking you. I I don't know. I don't know what it's for, but I, I don't see any use for it in health. Okay. That was my opinion. I mean, this guy, I mean, he, he just goes on and on and on scientific data and all this. And that. But the problem is, is I, the scientific data, it's not matching up to anything that, that, that we know about. Well, you know, and he, we it, even it, compare it to your gut microbiome and stuff like that. And it's not natural. Well, and if we want to talk about gut microbiome, this will wipe that out. That that's what this does. Right. That this goes after bacteria, viruses. And look, we use some things like that. Coconut oil is an antiviral, antibacterial, but it's it's a much milder form. Um, we have stronger forms that we do use sometimes in detox protocols, things like oil of oregano, but we're really careful about them and we use them in very targeted, specific circumstances. Even this is just too harsh for even that. I mean, I can't think of a targeted situation where I would want to use this. It's just too harsh. Okay. Yeah, that, that was my opinion because I'm thinking, well, you got to make this stuff. He tells you how to do it. And, it's, and oh, I yeah, remember a couple of weeks ago, something, someone called in about it. And I wasn't, I couldn't find it. And someone said something about, you know, uh, about the chlorine dioxide. You weren't a fan of but I just, you know, it's one of those things where, and it's not found in nature. You know what I mean? You have to, this is another chemical. Correct. That you have to, you know, it's no different than than uh, weed killers. You know, it, people consume. Exactly. That's, that's my opinion. No, that, that's a that's a good analogy. That's exactly what we're talking about here, and I, I just don't believe we need things like this if we do all the other right stuff and we live as healthy as we can be these are real extremes and i again this doesn't exist in nature this isn't something our the human body requires to be healthy all i needed to know thank you sir you're welcome thanks for the call all right um well that Opened up some phone lines. Uh, it's kind of quiet this morning. What's going on with the calls here? Uh, I have plenty to talk about. Lauren will be joining me uh, probably at the top of the hour today. Uh, but we can certainly get your calls and questions in. So dial us up 855-950-3835. If you have any questions at all, comments, topics, anything to do with health, pick up the phone and join us. I'll get to those calls here in just a little bit. So back to the 
concept of both fat and muscle cells not being inert. Both fat and muscle cells are actually organs. Um, Myokines, I started to talk about. um, Myokines actually produce enzymes that detoxify the body. And just like this last caller, it's a cleanse. That's kind of a new thing in health in the last decade or so. All these cleanses and detox and coffee enemas and, you know, people are doing all kinds of crazy things. And you can see some pretty negative side effects from detoxing incorrectly. Uh, When we try to detox the gut, when there's gut dysbiosis, um, you can really make people miserable. Uh, It's called die-off. We go in, we kill off too many bacteria, even if they were bad bacteria. Uh, There's a lot of negative side effects to that die-off. So I am not a fan of like these detox challenges where, you know, 50 people are all detoxing at the same time and some sort of a challenge. Um, There are ways to detox. I actually prefer to just really clean up the diet and see if the body will detox itself. And many times it will. Then, then after a period of time with a good clean diet, maybe a couple months, then we might want to go in and do some formal detox. There, there are clearly toxins left over. We live in a very toxic environment these days. So I don't have a problem with detoxing. I just see most people are doing it incorrectly. Um, one of the things we'll talk about uh, is the protocol and the detoxing effects of the protocol and why those work better and you won't get all of those negative side effects. Uh, Let's grab another call here. Lines are open. Jump in and join us. We're going to head off to Michigan. Brad, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Uh, I've got a brother. He just turned 60 last month, and he's had diverticulitis now for several years. And just two weeks ago, he had a stroke and one of his arteries is like 50% blocked. Luckily, the stroke wasn't bad. But is there any way to turn around what he's already done to be able to not have to take the meds the rest of his life? Which medicines do they have him on? I just wonder the doctors prescribing them. Like right now, the doctors basically just eating salad now and tell him don't be eating no red meat and telling him how to eat. And it's like, so I, I don't think salad is going to do it for him. No, it's not. I can say this that if they put him on their typical low fat, almost vegetarian diet in the beginning he will see some improvement over the standard american diet there's a couple problems with it one he's not going to see full improvement because it it's not very nutritious their low fat vegetarian diet just is not very nutritious it's only slightly better than the standard american diet because they get rid of a lot of the garbage that's in the standard american diet but most people will start to lean even more on grains because vegetables aren't very satisfying. You need something to fill yourself up. You're going to start filling in with bread and pasta and rice and potatoes. And so you at least get some satisfaction. And at, at a point, his health will start to get even worse. So here's, here's the real key in the question here. We know that when you live the standard American lifestyle and the standard American diet, and you go to the standard American doctors and they give you the standard American drugs, you're going to get the standard American diseases and you're going to die the standard American death. So the question here is he willing to make radical changes in the way he eats and lives? And if he is, all of this can be improved. 
Then if he isn't, then he might as well just stick with the doctors and do what they tell him to do. Right, and that's what, you know, I got talking to him a couple of days ago, and it's like, man, you need to cut the grains out. Well, I'm trying. It's like, you got to, man. It's, you know, we want you to live for a long time. And, of course, I wanted to get your take on it before, because his wife just does whatever the doctors tell her to. And she just well, that's what most people do. I mean, we, we, we've been trained our whole life that doctors are God and you just listen to what they tell you. And we can see where it got us. It's a horrible failure. I mean, nobody can claim our medical system is making anybody healthy anymore. Right. And I was going to tell her, hey, you need to sign up for the healthy tribe and get on there and see how to have a better diet because she can't cook either. They've been married for 30 years and she still can't cook. Well, the good news about a carnivore diet, it's, it's a whole lot easier. If you eat carnivore, all you have to really learn how to do is fix meat dishes, which are pretty simple. So we don't have to get all kinds of crazy cooking skills and use all kinds of it. We can keep this really, really simple. And yet it's a very satisfying way to eat. But here's the thing. And sure, we, you can teach somebody how to cook. You can give them recipes. You can give meal plans. All of this is possible, but they have to make the decision. And, and that's the critical part. And I don't know how to convince anybody other than being a good example and try to answer their questions. And we just have to realize, I, I still think the majority of people are not willing to make the sacrifices they have to make to be healthy. I totally agree. And uh, what is your take on using bear fat to cook in? Oh, absolutely. My God, if I could get my hands on some bear fat and bear meat, I'd be all over it. That's some good stuff. Yeah, it is. Especially smoker, bear steaks. I mean, it's all good stuff. Yeah, that's... um, Uh, People just look at you funny when you tell them that. You know, that that's the thing. We why why is it totally normal and acceptable to eat a cow, a chicken, or a pig? But talk to somebody about eating a llama or a coyote or a what's the difference? They're just animals. It's just we got used to eating these animals. You can eat any animal. Every animal on the planet is edible. Oh, yeah, and I've got renters in my rental house, and the kids, they haven't ever had uh, deer meat before, and we've cooked them roasts and steaks and everything else this year, and they're like, man, this stuff is good. Yeah. I didn't know deer was it's, such a good taste to me, and it's like, if it's cooked right and it's prepared right. Yeah, one of the things I've been eating quite a bit lately, um, I've always loved lamb. And, and, you know, lamb isn't a really popular meat in the U.S., but we eat lamb. I mean, it's not hard to find. You go to the grocery store, you can find lamb chops, you can find a leg of lamb. Um, It's, we don't think it's weird, but we don't eat a lot of it. But lamb is just baby sheep. And then after it's a year old, we would call it hogget, which I've never even heard that term till I started studying this. So obviously we don't eat much hogget in this country. It's not very popular. And after two years old, we would refer to the meat of a sheep as mutton. So when we eat sheep, we actually have three different words for it. Lamb when it's a baby. Uh, hog it when it's between one and two years old and mutton when it's over two. We eat almost no mutton in this country. And yet it's really good. Um, mutton neck. I, I'm, I'm like obsessed with this now. The meat off the mutton neck is so good. But we just don't eat a lot of this stuff. You know, we, we somehow get all weird about it. Look, an animal's an animal. If you're willing to eat one, I don't understand why you think eating another animal is weird. I don't either. And, like, a lot of these foods and recipes you're talking about, they are on the healthy tribe, correct? 
yeah, we try to post, you know, I, Lauren puts um, meals and recipes up occasionally. I try to put mine up there. We want to do more of that, but also the members can do it too. I mean, anybody can put up recipes and ideas and links, and that's what the whole site's all about. Right. Currently, I'm on the truck and drive, and I haven't subscribed to the Healthy Drive yet, but I've been working on getting around to it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, you can always recommend, again, it, it, the hardest thing about this is we we do these things we eat a different way we try these things we see the results and most human beings when they get results like that on something so important the first thing they want to do is share it with other people that's, that's just human nature that's a good thing but it can be really really frustrating people that you know we've all been told all our lives all these different things about how we're supposed to eat it's always changing nothing seems to work half the time anyway and people just get frustrated with this stuff and then they just d- default to eating whatever just eat whatever you know fast food whatever's easy and convenient because nothing seems to matter anyway but it does matter it's just it's really frustrating because we want to share this with people and yet we just can't force it on them right i mean for me i ain't been doing it long but i've in a short period of time that i've been doing it i cut out the sodas cut out the grains and got the water and eating meats and vegetables and Within a few weeks, I went from, like, when you go home and you work in the garage and everything else that you do, my feet would always get really sore, and they'd be sore from the, within a couple hours of being at home till a couple of days after being back on the road. And, I mean, you'd get up so stiff in the morning, it took 10, 20 minutes to finally loosen up. Now... It don't affect me at all. I yeah. mean, that was just in a couple yeah. of weeks' time. Isn't that crazy? It's like, yeah, it's like I, I never knew that all that sugar and grains was having that kind of impact on my body. You, and I'm not even 40 yet. You know why? We don't realize that sugar and grains cause us all those problems and pain. The reason we don't understand that is because we have eaten them every single day of our lives. It's such a standard part of the American diet. We eat them every day. So how could we know what our body would be like if we don't eat them? The only way we can know is to not eat them. But the incredible thing is, I have had people tell me they saw results in 48 hours. Oh, I believe it. And, I mean, you're right. I grew up on biscuits every morning and either cornbread or biscuits every night with either mashed potatoes, fried potatoes, some kind of tater on the table every night for dinner. I mean, that was the way we grew up. But we had real... Me, yeah, know, wasn't no yeah, it, it you know, your helper stuff. I mean, how old are you? 39. Okay, so you grew here's the thing every generation, every year you're born now probably means your diet was worse than people who were born before you were. So, I was born in the 60s and we didn't eat a ton of processed food back then. Um, because there wasn't as much. You know, TV dinners were kind of big in the 60s. What a disaster that was. Ugh, talk about lousy food. So that was the beginning. Kind of the 50s, 60s is when we started introducing all the canned and processed foods. And it's gotten worse every year since and continues to get worse. There is more and more processed garbage factory food in our diet every year. And now we see people, whereas my generation 
typically started to see some health problems, maybe in their 40s. Um, the average, probably when you hit 50, things really started to go downhill. By the time you were 60, you were probably on multiple medications. That, that's just typical of my generation. Um, the, the, each subsequent generation is getting worse. Now we see kids getting diabetes before they're 10. That, that is just insane. So our health problems that we're facing in this country are going to get far worse every year for a long time. I, I don't see it changing much. I don't either. I mean, I'm blessed. My parents was born in the 40s, so they, they're not like what the most, parents with 40-year-olds was born in the 60s. Right. I was born in the early 40s, and like, we got, which I know corn ain't good for you now, but got fresh corn in the summer, and we shucked it, prepped it, froze it, canned green beans, pickles, I mean, yeah, yeah, a that, lot of that our was food came out of the pantry that came out of the garden. Yeah, that that was far more common. You know, we just don't do much of that today. So we eat all this fast food, convenience food. Now the big push to all the fake meat. Uh, we can just count on the fact that the health of Americans will continue to deteriorate. Oh, definitely. I mean, they even they're talking about meat that's being steaks that's being glued together at steakhouses now so you don't even know if you're getting a real steak anymore well i i I, I, I can promise you this you can't glue a piece of meat together and convince me that it was a steak all right there you can clearly tell that and (laughs) and here's the other thing honestly i just every year i eat out less and less and i'm to the point now where i almost never eat out anymore I, I really don't. That That is, it, it's the last thing I needed to do to really clean up my diet. Um, I don't eat factory meat anymore, and I don't eat out anymore. Very, very seldom. I mean, it, it may happen once in a great while, but it's, it's pretty rare. I, honestly, the last time I ate food that came from a restaurant was probably three months ago. Uh, you're doing a lot better than I am, but well, and, and it, you know it happens over time, and we over. have to, we have to make a conscious effort. You know, I started changing the way I was eating. I guess we're almost nine years ago now, um, and over time. I, I continue to change it. The changes are obviously much, much smaller. Over time, I've started eating more and more animal products and fewer and fewer plants. That's a change that's kind of occurred over time. But the other change is I, I, I eat out less and less all the time, and I'm to the point now where it's almost non-existent. Well, that's what we're working towards and trying to basically lose as much weight as possible and uh i don't want to be the typical person being on 10 different meds and no feel like crap or no being and a have driver. to have to go to doctor's appointments all the time and go pick up prescriptions all the time and go back for this checkup and that checkup i i, I don't have a doctor and i don't want one I've never really had a doctor as an adult. There, there just has never been a doctor where I could say, that's my doctor and that's who I go to. I, I just don't go very often. Uh, if I need medical care, it's probably going to be the emergency room. Because that's about the only reason I'm going for medical care. Just about everything else I can take care of myself. Um, and I love our system for emergency care. I think they're absolutely amazing. You know, when I broke my hand, that whole experience was fantastic. Doctors really did an amazing job. My hand surgeon was incredible, and I appreciate that. And that's what I'll use our medical system for, trauma and emergencies. Everything else, forget it. I don't want to go anywhere near our medical system for health. Oh, me neither. And my insurance agent was like, you ain't got a doctor. This is just two weeks ago getting life insurance he goes you ain't got a regular physician i'm like nope why, go why would i need one get a fiscal for my dot 
exactly. I mean, my blood pressure used to be high, but now it's back in normal range, and exactly. all my nerves are looking good. My, I still got a high glucose level in my blood for some reason, which doesn't make any sense. But well, it could take time. Everything else, it could take time. Good. What what that tells us is you were pretty insulin resistant. So even small amounts of sugar can send your blood sugar high because your body is resistant to the insulin that's trying to bring it down. And insulin resistance will resolve itself over time. The longer you do this, the better your insulin sensitivity will become. That's what I figured. I just, it just kind of shot me that all of them was really all the other glucose right. levels is really good, but the in the blood was still high. And I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. So, are you using berberine? Using what? It's a supplement called berberine. Obviously, you're not. Um, I would add some berberine. So, berberine is a simple what we call kind of a single molecule supplement. Berberine comes from a berry. Uh, You can actually buy the berries dried and you could just eat the berries too. You'd get berberine that way. Um, I don't think they hold well or ship well. I've never seen a fresh, um, and I forget the name of the berry. I've never seen them fresh. I have seen them dried, um, but dried fruit and dried berries are pretty high in sugar, so you want to avoid those. So you just take the supplement. We have it in the store. Berberine, I mean, we have tons of scientific evidence. When somebody is first diagnosed as diabetic, um, the first drug they give them is metformin. And metformin lowers blood sugar. And it works, there's no doubt. Um, And we thought it was one of those drugs that didn't have a lot of really nasty side effects. So it, it was not a horrible drug. Turns out, though, that much of our supply of of uh, metformin over the years has been contaminated somehow it was actually causing cancer of all things Um, but there is tons of scientific evidence that shows berberine which is nothing but a supplement lowers blood sugar as effectively as as uh, metformin and sometimes even better oh that's good i'll have to get on there and uh, drop because i would like to get that lowered down I had no idea that I was probably that close to being diabetic. Oh, no, you are diabetic. You you, you were diabetic. I can promise you. You weren't close. You were diabetic. We have a very hard time diagnosing diabetes properly in this country. Uh, It takes us about 10 years longer than it should. So when they tell you you're pre-diabetic, no, you're diabetic. If they tell you your, you know, blood sugar is starting to go high, you, you were probably diabetic already. We just haven't seen the results yet. That's not good. That's well, no, th- good but the good all. news is you've, ar- you've already started to reverse that. You're done. All you have to do is keep doing what you're doing, and you'll never have to worry about that word diabetes. That's definitely a good thing. And what do you think this diesel exhaust fluid coming out of the exhaust when it's burning off? How how bad do you think that probably is on somebody's body, like your lungs and everything else, breathing those chemicals into your body? If I had my choice, I would rather avoid them. But I don't. I, I mean, knowing what I know about health and, you know, diesel fumes and exhaust and all that thing, would I avoid being a truck driver because that? No, I, I wouldn't. I, I would do it all over again. I love this industry. Um, I would want to be a part of it again. Yeah, we can look at almost every single occupation and say there's some sort of a downside health wise. Uh, yeah, being exposed to diesel fuel and fumes and now DEF. Yeah, clearly it's not going to add to our health. And it's probably going to take away some, but almost every occupation is going to have something like that. So, you know, try not to breathe it in as much as possible. But I, I wouldn't avoid the occupation because of it. Oh, I wouldn't either. I just. Our father, he passed away at 52 with pancreatic cancer, and he that was a janitor. And I'm thinking a lot of the chemicals that he worked in. It didn't help. Have, 
It, it didn't oh, okay. help. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. All, all those chemicals and when, when cancer is involved, that, that's usually going to be an environmental toxin. Although cancer is a metabolic disease as well. So our diet, forget all the toxins and all that other stuff, our diet heavy in grains and sugar makes us more susceptible to cancer. Then I didn't, that's a lot of stuff that one, we wasn't ever taught and they don't know. And it's kind of like, for me, it's like, why are you taking advice from somebody who's generally overweight, not in shape, and... Because that's how <clears throat> that's how we were all raised. We were all raised that doctors are God, and you just do what they say. Yeah, it's mind boggling. It, it it is, and hopefully, I, and you know, I say hopefully, but I really don't have much hope we're ever going to make much of a change in that in the general population. But if I can change one person at a time, uh, I'm happy because you've experienced it. I can honestly say that of all the things I've learned in my almost 60 years on the planet, all the things I've discovered, whether it's about health or money or whatever it might be, uh, I can honestly say the single most important thing I learned is about how to eat right. Nothing else even comes close. Oh, man. It's just like my sister-in-law, uh, she came over to the house, and we was cooking uh, bear backstrap, and this is before we changed our diet, and we was cooking fried taters, and she's like, I don't know, because, you know, we're cooking all this in bear fat. That's right. She's like, I don't know about this. That's right. And she ate it, and she goes, man, I was expecting stomach problems every time I eat potatoes, my stomach's tore up, anytime I eat greasy food, it's tore up. I didn't have no heartburn. I didn't have no stomach issues. Well, one of the things, one of the wasn't cooking and all those old. One, yeah, one of the differences when she talks about having fatty foods, she's having poor quality fatty foods, and they're cooked in all the wrong fats. You're cooking in a natural animal fat, which is excellent, and it tastes good you know i can remember one of one of my favorite things about food was when i would go camping and it was just kind of this tradition when we we used to go camping at places so we could get up early in the morning go water skiing and spend the weekend out by the lake in a tent and one of the things i absolutely loved was breakfast because the tradition was you're cooking breakfast over the fire outside food always tastes better outside but you get that big old cast iron pan and you start the bacon first and you just load that pan up with enough bacon to feed everybody and when you're done cooking the bacon you might have an inch of bacon fat in that pan and it stays in there and everything else gets cooked in that bacon fat the eggs the potatoes Mm -hmm. everything and that is one of the best breakfasts i've ever eaten in my life eggs and bacon and potatoes outside on an open fire you can't beat it no and i mean i was one of those i didn't and that's my advice for everybody today just because you ain't never tried it at least try it once because Every time my nephew talked about cooking in bear fat, I was just like, well, I don't know, man. You know, I was <laughs> yeah. cooking in butter. Oh, and then he done it, and I'm like, man, that is good. And I was like, you, I said, you done screwed up now because we're going to have to go bear hunting every year just to That's get the right. fat. That's right. The other fat that I absolutely love, one of my favorites, is duck fat. Duck fat is pretty incredible, too. Is it pretty easy to render? Uh, I've never rendered it myself from a duck, but it should be pretty simple because almost all of the fat is uh, attached to the skin. So you probably render a lot of duck fat, right? Well, I guess I have technically rendered duck fat because if if you've ever had a really good duck breast cooked properly, it is incredible. Um, the way you cook it is you, so when you get a duck breast skin on, underneath the skin is probably a good half inch of pure fat on a duck breast. And you put it skin side down in a very low cast iron pan and just let that 
fat layers start to melt out and render out into the pan. And once you've rendered out most of that fat from under the skin, then I take the duck breast out crank up the heat on that cast iron till it's screaming hot and then put it back in to crisp up that skin and you want the meat left rare i eat duck rare and crispy skin and a rare duck breast oh man that is so good and then you have all that duck fat left in the pan oh yeah that's good stuff oh we're gonna try that this fall my nephew is big into duck hunting now. I mean, he got a duck dog and everything else. And oh, yeah. He's all into duck hunting now, so I'm going to have to tell him. Yeah, the other, the other really, really good food that I absolutely love is take a whole duck and just smoke it. Really lots of heavy smoke on a whole duck. Oh, the meat is so good. Sometimes I, I have a place uh, in Wisconsin that I can buy whole smoked ducks from. Uh, sometimes I'll buy it from them just because it uh, takes a while to do them. Uh, let's see. All right, All Brad, right, I'm going to... Okay, well, I appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm going to cut you loose. Uh, we are going to... Uh, we're going to end this show, and we'll start a new one for After Hours. So I've got one more call here on the line. I'm going to take that call. Then we're going to wrap up this show, and Lauren will be joining me at the top of the hour. And you can immediately start calling right back in uh, with questions if you want. So let's go to Colorado. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I got a question uh, about tapping. Okay. So this, uh, in my town where I live, I never ever seen this place before, but they got a Cranham bar. Okay. And uh, you can go in that place and get a shot of that stuff, but they said you got to start out real slow, and what I'm uh, wanting to try it for is my knee pain. Okay. What do you think? Oh, it's 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 absolutely good for pain. There's there's no doubt about it. How is this chronic pain? Does this knee hurt you every day? Yeah. Okay. So here's what I would caution you about. It, it, kratom, even though it's a totally natural substance, it comes from just one single tree, and all we do is take the leaf off that tree and dry it into a powder. Then you can make kratom tea, or you can put it in a capsule and swallow the capsules. Uh, it's a completely natural substance. It will help pain, but it is very, very similar to opioids. It acts a lot like an opioid, and you can become dependent and addicted on kratom just like you could an opioid. Now, it's not quite as bad. Yeah, so I, when, when there is chronic pain every day, there aren't many good solutions for chronic pain that aren't going to come with a lot of downsides. Clearly, you know, truck drivers can't use cannabis at all, but cannabis, if you're going to try to use cannabis for pain every day, I mean, we got to think about it. You're going to be high every day. I mean, even when you go with yeah. strains that are just mostly CBD, in order to be effective, they have to have some THC, and THC is what makes you high. The kratom is going to give you some of those same effects of an opioid. So to use cannabis or kratom occasionally for pain, you know, we worked out too hard, we, you know, had too much fun water skiing or, you know, whatever. We just overdid things and we're, we're in pain or we truly had an injury. You know, we, we fell and injured something. To use a pain reliever temporarily for things like that is fine. But when you have chronic pain and you're going to have to take this substance every day, you're going to create a new problem. Okay. Well... Uh, I've had the injections in my knees and, and uh, it just, I've tried two different kinds and it helped for a while, but it just comes right back to where so, I'm either going to have to do it. I don't want knee replacement. I just want to try something else. So tell me about your diet. 
Oh, it's, uh, you know, I've been done uh, keto for a long time, so it's, it's pretty, pretty darn good, actually. Tell me about the quality of the oils and the meats in your diet. Well, I eat a lot of meat, eggs. Uh, where does the meat come from, and where do those eggs come from? Well, I have a my son raises his own beef, and, and that's where I get my beef from. Uh, pork, uh, probably we just get from the store here locally. But uh, what about eggs? I don't. I don't know. I'm pretty darn grain-free for darn sure, but I don't know cleaning it up. I don't know yeah, what well, I do any more than what I've done. Well, no, that's what I'm getting to because I can help you with this because I have personal experience with this. So when you say your son raises his beef, that's clearly a step above industrial-raised beef, but are they true grass-fed, grass-finished? Yeah. So he are. doesn't feed them any grains? No. Okay, good. Good. So the quality of your beef is good, so I would lean heavily on that beef supply. The pork from the grocery store is garbage. Um, if you're eating in restaurants, you're getting bad meats and bad oils. And I can tell you this, and this, this, isn't, this doesn't apply to everybody. I know a lot of people who have cut out grains and sugars, and they still eat mostly, you know, factory meat and fat, and they eat at restaurants. They have no pain anymore. They, they'll, they'll tell you, oh, no, it's amazing. I don't have any pain. Things don't hurt all the time anymore. I have experienced this multiple times. When I go out on the road and I get a little lazy about my diet, and I, I mean just a little, the only change is I don't change what I eat. I mean, I'm still eating meat and fatty meat and, you know, vegetables, no grains. I don't change what I eat. It, the only thing that changes is where it comes from, how it's sourced. So when I'm on the road, I tend to eat more from grocery stores and more from restaurants. And I've experienced it multiple times. My joint pain comes back. I'm completely grain-free, very, very clean. I know how to do this. I know I'm not cheating, and my joint pain comes back. I've talked about it multiple times. So for me, that trigger for joint pain is the quality of the meat and the oil in my diet. And when I clean that up, that joint pain goes away. I mean, I, I was to the point I was the same thing. I was taking um, steroids for my shoulder. The pain was so bad I couldn't function. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, tough when I'll be 70 in September, and uh, I just didn't want to, don't want to get the surgery to have knee replaced. Yeah, you, you could try the Kratom. I, I think it will make it feel better. I would just caution you that if you have to use the Kratom every day, you will start building a tolerance to it, which means you're going to have to take more. And at a certain point, when you start taking more and you start taking it every day, you can become dependent on it. And then you suffer the same withdrawal symptoms when you try to quit. So uh, you can try it. I would be very cautious about using it every day. And I would really make an attempt to clean up the meat and the fats in your diet and see if that doesn't help this pain. Okay, Kevin, thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's, uh, All right, we'll talk I, we are going to take one more call. Uh, we're going to go to Maryland. Eugene, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing, sir? Good. What can I help you with today? Well, I was listening. I mean, I've been listening to you, and you, you I caught the tail end of the blood sugar. And what are good numbers for blood sugar? Because I've been told like, I'm pre-diabetic a few times when I do lab work. So how old are you? And right now, I'm, uh, I'll am i be 70 this September. Okay. And so there's two numbers we typically look at for blood sugar. One, we look at what's called fasting blood sugar. So you just get up in the morning, probably haven't eaten for 10 or 12 hours. You take a fasting reading. We'd like to stay oh, okay. in a range fasting, maybe 70 to 110, 120 or so. Oh, okay. Then 
We can also measure A1C, which is what you're getting when you do this lab work, this blood work. And A1C uh-huh. is a calculated measurement that sort of tells us what our average blood sugar has been over the last 90 days. A good number for A1C, you should be in the low fives. Oh, okay. That's probably yeah, what they're looking time. at and calling you pre-diabetic. You're probably in the sixes somewhere on your A1C. Yeah, about a 6.5. Yeah. So that, last that, time I looked. Yeah, that, that, that is, and I will tell you this, they can call it pre-diabetes all they want. You are diabetic. Oh, okay. It's easy to fix. And I know you had talked about it. Huh? It's easy to fix. We do it every day. Oh, okay. What is that? You, you just stop putting the sugar in your body. Can't have high blood sugar if you stop putting sugar and starches in your body. Fixes it every oh, time. Well, I have cut out a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of sweets and stuff Good. like that. Good. The more you cut out, the better it'll get. And the one thing we, we forget uh-huh. about or maybe we don't forget, maybe people just don't realize. A slice of bread is, is will do the same thing to blood sugar as a candy bar does. Oh, really? Yeah, starches will do the exact... Starch and sugar are very similar. The only difference is if we take a whole bunch of sugar molecules and we tie them together in a long string, that becomes starch. It, it, it's sugar to oh, your body, okay. though. So anything with high starch, all grains, breads, pasta, potatoes, rice, all of those things that are high in starch, just like candy to your body. Oh, mm. I mean, I have cut out a lot of that starch. Good. You know, cause I, then you, you should start was, to see yeah. your blood sugar numbers come down. Oh, they have. And that's what I'm saying. Before that, it was almost seven, but now I've dropped down some. Good. And, you know, I just, since I've been retired, I'm kind of watching on what I'm eating. I'm not, what my wife says, I snack just, I snack just a snack because I had nothing else to do when I was driving the truck. That's a, that's a very common thing. And the standard American diet and all those sugars and starches also increase our appetite. So they make us want to uh-huh. eat more of those things. And just like we were talking about yeah. Kratom in the last call, if you take Kratom every day, you can build, you know, a, a dependency on it. Sugar acts the same way in our brain. It, you can become uh-huh. addicted to sugar and starches and the feelings we get. It's a very, very similar response in the brain. Um, so uh-huh. it, it's, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more of that heavily processed food you eat in the standard American diet, the more of it you want. Mm-hmm. Now, you were talking about a berry. Now, you say there's, you have supplements for that, right? A berberine, yeah. Yeah. Work. Is that in, in your uh, in your store, Berberine? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just called Berberine. Um, now, again, uh-huh. don't think you're going to go take the Berberine and keep eating the way you're eating and it's going to do much. It's really not. But if you oh, keep, no, 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 if no, you no. keep oh, doing I, I, what yeah. you're doing, you're, you've been slowly eliminating sugars. Now you know you can also eliminate mm-hmm. starches. If you do that and you uh-huh. add the Berberine, yes, your blood sugar will come down even faster. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah, because that's, I mean, right, you know, plus I've lost weight since I quit driving. I was like a four, a two, a 242. Now I'm down to 228, I think. Excellent. That's so, a good sign. You know, it, yeah, it's a slow process because, you know, the older you get, the uh, the slower you you know the, the the harder it is to lose weight because no it's you're, not uh, stop lying to yourself well it's not we should stop saying those things they're mm-hmm. not true we've said them you oh, get older okay. you get weaker that that's all bullshit yeah. 
None of that is true. Oh. The reason, there's a reason. Uh-huh. Now, a lot of people are going to go, Kevin, you're so ignorant. Look around. People are fat. They're sick. They're uh-huh. dying. I, I get that. I know that's happening, but it's not because that's what happens to the human body as it gets older. It's because you're still eating all the same crap you've been eating your whole life. Of course, you're going to keep getting sicker and sicker. But when we eat properly, that you can be 85 Mm -hmm. years old and strong and vibrant and healthy. There is nothing about the human body that deteriorates just over time. It doesn't. Okay. It right, deteriorates well, because I mean, we, we has, treat yeah. it wrong. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Here's the thing. I can remember being 30. Point. I can remember being 30 in my 30s and fighting to lose weight. Now, I was never really obese, but I was 40 pounds heavier than I should have been. And I would have to work really, really hard to lose that 40 pounds. Like, it was miserable. I was starving myself. I was working out like crazy. I gave up all kinds of food. And I, got, I lost the 40 pounds. But you know what? I couldn't sustain it because it's miserable. So I went back to eating the way I always ate and I gained the 40 pounds back again. And then I'd go find some new diet to try and I'd try that and I'd lose the 30 or 40 pounds again and I'd be miserable and I'd go back to eating the way I used to eat and I'd gain it all back. I can promise you that I'll be 60 next year. I have no problem losing weight now. I don't have to lose weight anymore. My weight has been completely normal for eight years, and there's nothing hard about this whatsoever. Okay. Well, I mean, it's your lifestyle. It's what we stuff in our pie hole every day. (laughs) That's all it is. That's true. That's that's 95% of health and weight is what we stuff in our pie hole every day. Stop shoving crap in your pie hole. Eat real food. All right. We are going to uh, wrap this up, but we will be right back uh, with more stuff. So uh, I'm going to wrap this up. We'll start a new show. Lauren will be joining us and you can jump in with your questions as well. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.